Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello Cricket Badgers, thanks for tuning back in again to the Cricket Badger Podcast, it's good to have you with us, thank you for your support over the last few weeks of lockdown, judging by your comments you've been enjoying the recent Cricket Badger Podcast, thank you for listening and I always say this is a good one today. And this is a good one today. And it's Keaton Jennings that's joining me on the podcast. You might, if you follow me on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed, if you've been reading the Pinch Hitter magazine, you'll have seen I took a little bit of this interview and wrote it up for that magazine. It's a good publication. There's some really good writers in that. And during lockdown, a lot of the cricket writers are really struggling for work. And the Pinch Hitter magazine is one of those where it's a a free to read, but donate what you can publication. All of that money gets churned back into future Pinch Hitter publications done by the guys at the Wisdom Cricket Monthly. I would urge you to A, read it and B, support it because A, it's a good read and B, it helps out people like me. So there's nothing selfish about it at all. But honestly, it's a really good publication. So take a look. If you haven't discovered it already, just put Pinch Hitter Magazine into your Google search browser, find it and be able to enjoy the, the great content in there. I think there's, So far, I think there's three publications out and all three of them are very, very good indeed. Please, as always, Pay a visit to tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Really good sporting content. Pleasure to have them on board with the Cricket Badger podcast. And thank you to them for their support. I've been very lucky during lockdown. I've contacted a a load of cricketers. They've said yes to coming on the Cricket Badger podcast. And we've been churning out the Cricket Badger podcast left, right and centre. And I've also been very lucky because the guys that I've spoken to have been thoroughly decent chaps. I think I said on the Billy Godelman podcast that he's one of the the nicest guys I've met in cricket. And Keaton 
Jason Jennings is right up there alongside of him. I've met him a few times on my travels. Always got a smile, always got a good word. And there's no surprise that when you talk to other cricketers, they always say, sound lad, great bloke in the dressing room, always a positive influence. When you talk to people like that, it always makes you want them to do well. And it frustrates me a little bit about negative feedback he gets on social media and what have you. When he's talked about in England circles, he was obviously named into the squad to go to Sri Lanka this winter. He was out there in Sri Lanka, but had to return home before the test matches started. And during this chat, I talked to Keaton about that, about his previous experiences in the England camp. He takes on the Cricket Badger 20 questions. And he also suggests in this that Mark Wood should take on the Cricket Badger 20 questions because Keaton wants to hear what his answers would be. So Mark Wood, the England camp, if you are listening to this, answer the call. I would love to get Mark Wood on this because he's a character, he's funny, and I think his answers to the Cricket Badger 20 questions would be absolute gold dust. But today, certainly not second best at all, as on the Cricket Badger podcast, England, Lancashire, batsman, Keaton Jennings. It's that Badger style. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the Cricket Badger podcast, Keaton Jennings. Keaton, how are you? Hi, James. Yeah, very good, thank you. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm not too bad. I'm kind of surviving lockdown and surviving all of the stuff that's going on in the world. It's all a little bit worrying and a bit scary, but there's kind of half of me is actually quite enjoying a little bit of solitude and a little bit of peace and quiet sometimes too. I completely feel your sort of sentiment. It's um, been incredibly frustrating at times, um, but it's amazing what uh, I suppose a little bit of motivation and a little bit of um, creativity can get, and, and 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 the sort of impact that has on 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 your day and and on the output that you have. I'm obviously spending my day recording podcasts with the likes of you, which is my kind of like therapy, <laughs> therapy at the moment. I, um, I do feel sorry for you there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing with yourself? Um, I call it a break. It's come at a, um, a fairly nice time for me. It's come at a time where I suppose sort of crunch um, or, or push time in, in the back end of my uh, my degree. Um, so I'll finish that off in June. And I'm planning my further studies and I suppose just firming up my life outside of cricket. And not in case anything happens, just I suppose just to extend myself as a as a person and just try and study further and I suppose just become a little bit more worldly. So quite busy and head down in strategic management and performance management and all sorts. So it's, it's been frustrating, but but very good. And what's the degree in? It's a BA honours in business management. So finishing that off and then planning on potentially going into an MBA come back into this year. We'll go early with one of the questions. I'm going to give you the Cricket Badger 20 questions today. And okay. one of the later <laughs> ones, which I'm going to bring forward, is what are you going to be doing in 10 years' time? I mean, you may still be playing, but with a, with a business management degree, are you going to be in charge of Lancashire, Durham or another county? I'll tell you what, in 10 years' time, I'd love to still be opening the batting for length. But uh, look, I, I think realistically after cricket, and I think that's probably the essence of the question is um, or what you see yourself doing post-cricket. And I think for me, I definitely see myself staying within sport. So whether that's staying in cricket, um, albeit my knowledge of football is terrible, um, but in football or um, or, or sporting environment and, and then getting to the business side of it. So um, I think after having, I think I've already had 10 or 12 years of being involved in the change room to get into the other side of the fence and I suppose trying to market that product and, and try and sort of promote it will be um, a different challenge and I think something that, uh, that I'd really enjoy it. Well, I'll tell you what, seeing as you've said that, I'm going to bring another question further forward. And <laughs> you've only got 18 left after this, so be careful. <laughs> I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket for a day and, and, do, and ask you what you would do differently. You're behind the big desk and you're in charge of the supremo world cricket. You mentioned marketing there and yeah, the future of the game, I guess. What, what would you do differently if, if, with your business head on? The biggest thing for me is, is trying to make it attractive to as many people as you can. And I think for me, the fundamental of cricket is test cricket. I think that's the, for me, the basis of, of what essentially makes 
our product, um, but then trying to create products off of that, whether it being the 100, T20, whatever it is that people want to come, put bums on seats um, and, and actually come and enjoy it. Because at the end of the day, if you've got 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 quid, whatever it is, are you going to go to the movies or are you going to go to the football or are you going to go to the cricket? And I think we need to, as an industry, be very attractive to consumers um, and, and pull them in. Um, how we do that in terms of engaging with players. I think guys have been absolutely fantastic over social media in this time. I mean, a guy like Stokesy, Woody, Joss, uh, I mean, all the guys have been fantastic in interacting with, with youngsters, with Captain Tom Moores, with, with everybody really to actually engage people and, and get that um, attraction within cricket up to a level where people want to come and see their heroes and make, make cricketing heroes again. You mentioned Captain Tom Moores there. What a legend he is. Absolutely hats off to him. But just going back to what you were saying about the marketing. So, I mean, I used to work as the media manager at Yorkshire Cricket. Yeah. I, I used to get a little bit frustrated at times, Keaton, because, I mean, I'm, I'm very much kind of similar kind of answer to you. If you've asked me that same question, I'd give a very similar answer that Test Cricket, Red Bull Cricket is very important. Yeah. And, and I think cricket takes its eye off that at times, especially the county championship, which I know obviously you, you play. I think the fixture list can be a little bit confused at times. People don't quite know when the fixtures are. A lot of the marketing is about the white ball stuff. And I understand that because that's kind of the revenue generator. But I think it's, it's, it's disappointing to me that people say, well, nobody attends the county championship. But then you turn around and you look at what uh, clubs and the ECB spend that mo- the majority of their marketing budget is on telling people how great the blast is and how great the 50 over stuff is. And how great you know going to watch England is, and the county championship yeah. is left to one side a little bit. Yeah, look, I think I, I agree with you in in essence. Um, I think the the problem, I mean, looking at it from a business hat point of view, in my very limited or no experience, um, <laughs> I think that the problem is the 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 champion at the moment runs at a loss, and I think that's where I suppose you. You, you try and sort of hedge your bets and see see where you can make as much money as you can, and maybe with I suppose a bit more unique or clever marketing, maybe we would be able to get more not necessarily bums on seats, but I think more interest in it and create a different revenue stream, whether it's I don't know pound a pop to to watch on online or whatever it is to to try and generate um, I suppose more revenue from it. That's just me completely speculating and those t- ideas to get I- shot down. Totally agree with you. I think I, I said on one of the podcasts recently. I think that the thing with the championship is, I think it's massively important. It's the breeding ground for Test cricketers. It's it's, it's hugely yeah, important cool. from that respect. But I, I think the the challenge for the game, and I think the challenge it's not quite taken up yet, is to monetize all of those people sitting in offices, sitting at home, who are looking at Crick Info, looking for the scores, have their team. They're they're, they're watching Keaton Jennings on seventy eight, then on eighty five, then on ninety eight, and hopefully then into yeah. three figures. And how do you get some money out of those guys and what you've just said there I think it's a perfect uh, way of doing that you stream them online pay five pound a month whatever it is and you can follow your county couldn't agree more and I think that it also comes down to I suppose again play engagement and making sure players reach out to, to the local communities and I think uh, I suppose incentives like all-stars cricket uh, whether it's up to each county to I suppose implement their own all-stars cricket type of initiative to to make sure that that the players are accessible one and I think that's maybe where and cricket is quite unique in its product that people feel like they can access a guy like Ben Stokes or Mark Wood because they are very approachable and they are open. That's potentially something that our industry can look at and, and making sure that kids want to grow up um, and, and be like Rob Jones and actually sort of, I suppose, make touchable heroes and, and reignite that passion for, for youngsters. And hopefully that creates a fibre amount for, for those um, online streams and getting down to the ground every now and again or, or whatever it is. But I think we, especially after the sort of coronavirus, I think we need to think very carefully and very creatively with how we want to go about packaging our product because 
Um, again, me speculating, it's, uh, it's very unique and that you, in a weird kind of way, it actually becomes a fresh set of eyes and a fresh um, product, really. Yeah, potentially. We could be out of action for some time and it's almost like starting again, isn't it? And it's, it's a ch- I think this is a chance not just for cricket, but for sport in general and for business in general. You don't get much time when you're very, very busy. And you know, you know and I, I know what a, a cricket season's like. There's not much time off, is there? And it's, not, it's the same in the offices as well. It's a chance for a few other clubs to actually sit back and actually think, right, where are we actually going now? And and actually put some stepping stones in place that they might not otherwise get a chance to do. I couldn't agree more. I think I I don't want to sound cliche to this because I suppose it's very um, topical as well. I've watched and listened to quite a bit of Simon Sinek. A lot of um, his chats and the why, how and what you're doing and and, and I suppose the business philosophies and sort of interpersonal philosophies he has are are very unique and very clever. The biggest thing for me essentially can be a blank canvas now because there's such a long sort of gap and we can push our product to to different areas and and sort of stretch and really make it sort of unique. I mean, I read in the Times this morning that there's potentially government going to open up um, Premier League football, which I'm hoping that means cricket as well. And then you get Test Cricket back on, you may get some championship games, you potentially get the 100 on, whatever it is, you get the product back out there. And hopefully it is cricket before football and hopefully the country sort of rallies around what is such a fantastic game and we're able to get our foot in that door quickly. The worry for me, Keaton, this summer, because I've actually kind of trained myself to think I'm not going to see any cricket this summer. Then if that changes, then I'll be delighted. But the, yeah. I think the worry for me is there, there is going to be that um, drive to try and get your product out there as quickly as possible and to try and get it on the TV and to try and get that little bit, bit of a window where you can wave at the world and say, right, here we are. But we need to be very conscious about the safety of stuff. And when we come out of lockdown, whenever that is, um, there's going to be massive um, social distancing still. It's all going to be still out there. That virus is still out there and it's still able to kill people. So we need to be very careful about... I, I, I struggle to see how we can safely play cricket behind closed doors. I think, you know, you, the people talk about quarantine, people talk about trying to make it safe. I, cricket's a very social game. Cricket's a, a game where you hug each other after you take wickets. You've got the ball that's got saliva on it. You've got all kinds of different things where, you know, potentially if a virus is, is prevalent, it, it can spread very, very quickly. And you only need to kind of start a tournament three days in, Joe Root coughs, and all of a sudden everything's, everything stops dead, doesn't it? Well, exactly. And I think that's the problem. And then you, uh, I suppose then you develop issues of how... If, I mean, I don't want to say Ruthie, but if somebody within the team, a high-profile player, cre- or gets gets the virus, I don't, um, I, I don't know, Kate, and why I always use Jeru as my example. So <laughs> if you're listening, Ruthie, I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just say Steve uh, Steve Bloggs. Um, <laughs> if Steve Blogg gets it and he's a high-profile player in, in, uh, within a within a team, if you pull him out of that team, that could have a massive, uh, I suppose, effect on on that team unit trying to win the comp. So. It becomes, a, I suppose, a dilemma from a performance point of view then as well from that team. Um, and actually, the the quality of your product is cricket. Um, so, look, it's very, very unique. It's very interesting to follow it. It's very interesting to read about it. And, uh, look, I'm finding it fascinating. It's way above my pay grade. But it's, it's fascinating to read about and actually see how things develop. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really, really fine balancing act for the government, for sport, for everything, isn't it? To try and kind of balance that drive to get back into normality but still be very conscious that there is a deadly um, virus out there it's going to be very difficult to get that right yeah as you say it's going to be fascinating and you know it's still very scary isn't it all the coronavirus stuff let's move on to kind of slightly happier things shall we Yeah, definitely. Actually, I don't know if this is happy or not, to be honest, but you're obviously named in the test score to go to Sri Lanka. You should have been potentially playing test match cricket over the last few weeks, and instead you've been 
sitting in your flat in Manchester thinking potentially what might have been. It was, it was an opportunity for you, Keaton, wasn't it, to actually kind of restake your claim for an England test spot? Yeah, completely. Look, I think that's... Uh, I mean, in hindsight, it definitely was the, the, the right call, albeit a tough call at the time, to, to come home. Um, personally, and, and as a team, I mean, massively frustrating. Last time we were in Sri Lanka, we won 3-0. So to go back to, to such a, an amazing country, um, a country that loves their cricket, play a two-test series, that would have been fantastic. And I mean, from a personal point of view, to not necessarily stamp your ground, because even if you get 400 and four knocks, you come back and the press are just going to build it up even more how you, you aren't able to play in seeming conditions or the rest of it. So, I mean, that still, I suppose, looms over your head as a player. It's test cricket. It's playing for your country and every young kid wants to do that. And th- that's the hardest thing. You have the opportunity to do that and tour for your country and be involved with amazing guys and amazing players. And, and that opportunity is taken away from you. That's the tough bit. And uh, look, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and the, the safety of players are the priority. You know, I take my hat off to, to the guys that actually had to make that call because it would have been tough, and it's, it's, it was a good call and, 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 and the correct one. I totally agree. It, it kind of doesn't get past the fact that, you know, you had, had your opportunity there. And that, uh, yeah, re- reading the press prior to the squad being named, there was a lot of talk about who was going to be in it and, and what have you. Yeah. Your your name was obviously in the, in the frame there, and you were very much talked about as somebody that, can play, you know, if you're going to tour and you're going to go somewhere that spins, you've got a history of scoring runs overseas in places where it turns. And then it was almost like, well, when we get back in the summer, he can be dismissed and we'll bring, bring back Rory Burns or whoever else and, and we'll just get on with it and mm. stuff. So I think, you know, you're in danger of being pigeonholed just as somebody that maybe gets to go to Sri Lanka, India and Pakistan. Well, look, I suppose, I suppose professional sport is going towards that um, specialist teams type of feel where I suppose you pick horses for courses at times. And uh, look, I, I don't mind that at all. I suppose from a personal point of view, I want to fight my case to play as much international cricket all around the world as I can. And if I can't, then that, that's just the way it is. And that's, I suppose, my career path. And that's okay. And there's no shame in playing five tests, one test, no test, one first-class game, whatever it is. And that, that's okay. And it's, look, I suppose it's, it's, it's from my point of view, I, I want to try and push myself and become the best player I can be over over as long a period of time as I can. I had Gary Balance on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. I know Gary quite well from his time at Yorkshire. I think he's a yeah. terrific player. He's a player that, um, I, I, we talked about this on the pod, but as soon as you start to, I mean, I, I'm a big advocate of Gary Balance for England. And as soon as I start to say that, I get so many tweets from people to say, well, he doesn't move his feet. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He's had his chance. Bin him kind of stuff. And uh, people are very quick to judge, aren't they? And, you're in a kind of similar similar position from my perspective anyway. When you've played for England, obviously you had a great start, scored a century in your first test match. You've had good periods, you've had bad periods. But you're a player that seems to be a lot of people's fall guy on social media and in the press. You know, is Keaton Jennings good enough? There's a lot of debate. Your technique gets dissected, all the rest of it. How much attention do you pay of that? And don't tell me none because, I, yeah, you're human. Um, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I used to, in the last sort of, uh, I suppose year um, leading up to probably before I suppose the the the, the India series in 2018. I, I suppose I read quite a bit of it and you analyze and you change things and yes, I suppose you 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 do hear an element of it because you can't get away from it. It's on Sky News that when you watch the news in the morning, the Times, all the rest of it, you can't get away from it in entirety. But I think one thing I have done is built up I suppose a very thick skin and I suppose put up walls to to a lot of the noise. Um, as such, and 
I've got my sort of core group of people that I listen to. And to be completely honest, they're probably more brutal than half of the people that are writing about me. Um, and that's, that's perfect. And they're honest with me and they not necessarily analyzing my flaws, but also keeping things realistic. And if I feel like I'm doing well, they very quick to point things out that I'm not doing well or if I am going poorly and they're very quick to point things out that I do well. So I'm very lucky in that sense. Look, I think at the end of the day, like the, the higher up the, the sort of international tree you go, you're going to get more exposure. I and mean, when you look at a guy like Alistair Cook, he faced, I suppose, countless um, hours of people um, analyzing his technique and him as a player and all the rest of it. And the better you are and the, the, at coping with those mechanisms, the, the easier I think you, you find it to, to perform in that level um, and find ways for that. Having a very short memory is one of them. Um, or so there's ignorance at times as well, where you actually just go, you know what, I don't care what you say. This is the way I do things. And you stick to your way or you stick to a way that you believe is going to be right. Cricket Budget Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Human nature is a weird thing and I'm quite fragile. Honestly, I'm quite fragile. I found a website the other day that had my podcast on it and there was about probably 15 positive reviews of the Cricket Badger podcast. I found one. Yeah. I found one that said I was too Yorkshire biased and it actually says in my Twitter bio, tendency towards Yorkshire <laughs> bias. That's, it's my, Yorkshire's my team. But I dwelt on that. I, that. When I was coming away from that, of the 15 reviews, I, all I thought about was the one that had given me a little, kind of a little bit of a punching and... That's kind of human nature a little bit, really, isn't it? And I mean, you spoke initially about kind of paying attention to it. Were you like that, where you, know, you might have 20 people saying, well, Keaton Jennings was a decent prospect, but one person saying, well, he's, he doesn't do this, that, and the other. Does, does that kind of fester, or are you able to get through that? Well, firstly, I mean, my condolences to you for being, for being a massive uh, Yorkie fan. Um, <laughs> I suppose that, that's and foremost. Is, it's across the really bear. Well, exactly, yeah. I suppose it's one of those things you just, I suppose you get stuck with in life, really. One, one day, Keaton, you might end up playing for them. And uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be the biggest moment in your career, I can promise you. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You never know where, where things end up. But no, look, I, I think generally I'm quite a sensitive bloke. Um, I'm, not, I'm not soulless. I'm not emotionless. Um, I'm not a guy that doesn't take things to heart. Um, and I suppose just like you, I can get 10,000 positive comments. And I promise I'll remember the one numpy that is sat on his couch and 300 kilos overweight, sat with a beer and criticizing my problem outside off stump. And I I've, think I'll remember I've, that. I've, I've lost weight since then. <laughs> yeah, look, I didn't want to say it. I thought it might have been you. But, <laughs> yeah, but look, it's, it's, it's tough. And I think when you put yourself out into a public domain, um, for whatever reason, um, I mean, I saw a, a post on Instagram a while ago. And it, was, it was something like, um, I, I can't believe people think they can get away with saying something on Instagram where if they sell it in a bar, they get punched for it. Yeah. Um, it, it runs so true with me in the sense of somebody sits behind his phone, types something out to somebody. Why they would do it anyway, I have no idea. But absolutely slates them. Um, I mean, I've never woken up, regardless of what sports team has done what, or and ever been that fired up to tell somebody what I think of them. Uh, for me, it's, it's your issue with yourself and, and go and deal with it. And I'll, I'll share a little story. There was, there was a guy at Durham a while ago, um, a fan and I won't mention any names, but he had hammered me a little bit on Twitter when at the time I was reading comments and I suppose paying attention to, to noise, which I shouldn't have been doing, but I suppose it's everybody's pathway that they go through. And I, I just decided, you know, bugger this. One day I just went and had a conversation with him and very awkward, very horrible, sort of tense conversation of some small talk. But I walked away with it thinking, you know, this is a guy that 
is making me feel so poor about myself. Where in essence, it was it was so tough to hold just a nice conversation with him. Um, and I think from that moment on, I, I cared less about what people thought. And that was sort of the start of me not going on Twitter and not paying attention as much. And yes, it gets harder when you get exposed to the intensity of international cricket. But I think my care for what people think has definitely declined quite rapidly in the last 18 months or two years. Two quick things come back on that. I, I think there's, there's um, a tendency for people who are sports fans to, to forget that people are human beings because you see them from a distance and because everybody wears the same kind of outfit, whether it's football, cricket, whatever. Yeah. What you did and you go up to somebody and you actually show them the human side then, don't you? And I, I found, Keaton, I mean, interviewing you in the past and interviewing people in cricket, that if, if you speak to somebody and you think, oh, he's all right, you know, you're much more likely to kind of write nice things about them and actually care about what they do in the future than if somebody's obnoxious to you. And I think, yeah, you know, by having that, you know, being a human being, what you're saying about cricketers kind of being more accessible on social media and stuff, that can't do any harm to that, can it? Oh, completely, yeah. And I think in, in, in the same sense, I think people, because they feel like they know you, they feel like they can say what they want. And uh, there's always a couple of encounters on tours where some some people that are touring over say some of the most incredible stuff to some of the players. And it's, I don't think it's said with any malice or any... Um, sort of harmful intent it's just it's that panic of the sense of standing next to somebody that you're going and watching the next day and saying something that just sort of first thing comes to your mind as you intended to be a little bit of crack so uh, look it, it's it, it's very funny at times but I think again somebody knowing you or getting a little bit more of a sense about you um, can't harm and uh, but at the end of the day you're not going to make everybody like you and to be quite honest I don't want everybody to like me and I don't want um, everybody to know everything about me because I don't think that's healthy in the same sense I've got my group of mates and my family that, that I know care for me um, and not I'm happy with that like everybody else is excluded but it's um, you have to know those people that you really want to let into your inner circle and, and really openly engage with all the time. I can remember once at Headingley, this was when I was a fan before I actually worked at the club, and I was sat uh, watching a, a county championship match, and Simon Guy, who's now retired, he's in coaching now, he goes around doing these wicket-keeping coaching. Yeah. If you're listening, Rat, hope you're okay. Um, and he, <laughs> he was he was keeping wicket. He's a really good keeper, Simon Guy, really good keeper. And it was yeah. the fattest man you've ever seen. He was sitting in the in the rugby stand, uh, covered in sweat, looking the most. Uh, it must have taken him about an hour to get into that chair, and he was giving him absolute pelters. You rubbish guy, you can't catch that. Does, yeah, if you if you do that, I, I I'm like you. I think if you what what you say to somebody face to face should be no different from what you say to them on Twitter. You know, you have got to respect people. I think uh, you, you can't play any better if somebody's giving you pelters from the sidelines because you, if you're in the middle, you can hear that, can't you? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, you can hear it at times, and at times you kind of laugh, but it's quite funny. I suppose it, it does come from a place of uh, being a massive fan. I think that transpires into people saying things out of frustration and out of, I suppose, just, just wanting England to do well, for example. I mean, when you look at um, a guy like Gaz, Gaz Balance that you mentioned, I mean, the bloke averages nearly 50 in first-pass cricket. He's got 40 hundreds, and he's just, what, turned 30. He's got four test hundreds. He's, he's a serious cricketer people find issue and it's amazing the the way the frustration comes out and, and how that sort of um, transpires with, with people's actions. Let's get back to the 20 questions. We've done two of them out of order. Let's go back to question number one now, which is usually the one I start <laughs> with. If you'd not been a cricketer, what would life given you? What would you have done with yourself work-wise? Oh, geez. Um, I probably would have moved into business and I suppose, I don't know about sports admin, but I definitely would have moved into accounting and business and finance um, a lot sooner just through um, not necessarily enjoying it, but I think it's a career path that I feel like I understand. So, yeah, I'd probably be 
somewhere working in a some sort of finance corporation, I, I suppose. Who has been the biggest influence on your cricket career? Uh, biggest influence, I'd probably say my dad. I think he's he's the, the level of input he's had as a father, as a coach, as a mentor has been incredible. Uh, he's, he's, I suppose, compartmentalised um, a, a lot of different things in, in his life and his my life and, and, and we've been able to work together as father and son um, and created quite a u- unique um, a relationship, I suppose. And I'm not saying it hasn't gone without um, head clashes, but I definitely say over a 20-year career, um, he's probably one of the guys that would have the biggest influence, albeit at 65 or 70 or whatever he is and still being a really grumpy old fart, but he, he's still <laughs> um, just as critical and just as loving. He's, he's got some pedigree, hasn't he? I mean, he, he was unfortunate, wasn't he, in, in terms of South African cricket, that his prime was at a time where South Africa weren't playing international cricket for obvious reasons of apartheid and stuff like that. His current career spanned those those years, really. But you know, his record speaks for itself. Very, very fine player, very good coach as well. I don't, I don't know if you, you're aware, actually. I, I wrote a book called Following On in the Footsteps of Cricketing Fathers, where I spoke to a lot of father and son combos in cricket okay. about the pressures of expectation, coming through with that name. That was one of the kind of ta- um, strands of it. And uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of kids said that I got into cricket from basically the moment I could focus on something and, and could wander around because there was kit lying around. I got taken to games, just immersed in it from a very early age. Was that was that like you? Yeah, hundred percent. Look, I mean, and, and my brother was a professional cricket at the time when I was growing up as well, so I was quite lucky. I am. He's slightly older um, than you, isn't he? He's was twelve years older. He's thirteen years older. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a he's a proper old part now. So hopefully, he listens <laughs> to this and he's he's had no hair for fifteen years and all the rest of it. So now, look, he's. Uh, I mean, I grew up in, in, in a very competitive family. Um, and still, if we go back now and we play Uno uh, with my eight-year-old nephew and um, my niece and my brother and my dad, I can guarantee you there'll be tears and fights and punches thrown. And it's uh, it's a very competitive family. And I think we, we push each other in a lot of ways um, in that sense. It's a family that I think actively wants each other to, to do well. Um, I've never been forced into playing cricket. Um, I've just grown up in an environment where I've been exposed to cricket and, and wanted to play it because I've watched my dad play. I've watched, I've watched. I've been involved with my coaching, my brother playing, um, always kit lying around, like you say, and just that that level of exposure to to a sport and, and to a competitive environment has, has really wanted me to to stay a part of it. We should say that your dad's Ray Jennings, uh, South African uh, wicketkeeper, played for uh, was it Transvaal in in South Africa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, very accomplished, and obviously gone on and had a very fine coaching career as well. So he, you know, he's, he's not a bad person to have in your corner, is he? How, how often do you speak to him? Do you, do you still pick up the phone to him, and not in not in a dad capacity, but kind of say, Dad, I've got a problem with this X Y Z. Can you help me? Yeah, I've, look, during the season, it's probably probably quite regular, like every couple of days or every day. I mean, normally I'd ring him to the way uh, uh, on the way to the ground, and he'll give me some sort of daily advice, which normally includes watch the ball. But um, he's he's brilliant in being um, uh, not analytical because that probably sounds too negative, um, but very um, unbiasedly critical of me, of my play, of uh, my life really as well. Um, he's an incredibly driven um, and caring person, but he is tough. I mean, there's, there's stories of him kicking uh, like 15, 16 year olds away from a, a cricket camp because they arrived late and his I suppose moral and value to that is it's this is how I pay my mortgage, this is how I put money on the table. This is my time. I start at one o'clock, you you'll be here and show me that respect. Um and he returns that respect as well. So yeah, look, he's he's a tough man, tough man to please. But then you know when you do get a, a well done from him at the end of the day, it's it's really well earned as well. 
Does that uh, or did that translate to the washing up and household chores and everything? Was it was it just the cricket? Uh, literally everything. Um, <laughs> household chores, uh, just just generally, um, I suppose, being driven to do something. I mean, he's, he's never pushed me to to achieve anything or um, to do something. The only thing he has pushed me to do, and, and that I made a promise, was get a degree when I came over to to England when I was eighteen. And um, but again, that was more, I suppose, as a father looking at your son moving him over to another country you don't want him to not necessarily fail but you don't want him to to find the wrong path and I think he felt that studies were a good way to to keep me on track um and to be honest it was a complete ball ache for a couple of years but now I find myself sitting looking at MBA courses and um trying to actually move my life forward um without his sort of kick um so I mean, I've got to say thank you to to a man that actually I suppose gave me a kick up the backside as an eighteen year old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the other strands. I mean, you just hinted at it there, but one of the other strands that you know pretty much every single son said was that my ex professional father didn't push me into cricket. He just let me find it, and then he guided me as he thought necessary. Whereas I think a lot of people out there have fathers who aren't professional cricketers. They try and almost live their lives through their their son, who might not be good enough, and gets a lot of grief for not being quite good enough. But I think the professional fathers, they've already achieved their bit, so whatever you do is a bonus, isn't it? 100%. And I think my dad's always said that, that passion is massive, especially in, in, in youngsters. Um, if you can keep that passion burning, especially around an age where... Um, there's other distractions, whether it's um, going out, whatever it is, not training or school or whatever it is, make and, and, and actually trying to keep that passion burning for, for cricket or if it's for running or training, whatever it is. And I, I think that's that key time. If your passion burns during those times, I think generally you'll see those, those guys come through. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, like you said, the, the, I mean, I don't talk from any sort of experience. I'm not a parent and don't intend to be at any time soon. I quite like my sleep at the moment. But the, pushing people generally into something that they don't necessarily want to do actually just drives them further away. Um, and especially in a kid, to push them harder and harder and harder, they actually just keep presenting that, that push and where, where they're driving to. So it's almost about trying to lead them towards the water and hopefully they drink. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. The listeners are going up every single week through COVID-19. Hopefully, we're giving you a little bit of entertainment to take you away from the troubles in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Loads of great guests planned for the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned to Cricket Badger podcast. Like, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support of the Cricket Badger podcast. What's been your best moment in cricket, Keaton Jennings? If I could take you back to one day in your career and you could relive it again, which one would you choose? Beating Yorkshire. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're not allowed No, that. look, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd probably say, for me personally, it's probably two things for me. One, um, receiving a test cap. That was an incredibly proud and just humbling experience receiving it at, in India, um, a place of... Uh, I suppose, huge um, history and, and tradition and love for the game, receiving it from Sir Ian Botham. Uh, ju- just the whole experience of that was, was incredible. But then the second, but for me, the most cherishable thing about cricket is winning a game or winning a series, that moment. It's, it's so special and so hard to, to define, and particularly with four-day cricket or test cricket, just because you put in so much work um, and so hard and intense for such a long period of time. It's like massive relief, happiness, flood of emotion um, 
that's that moment for me sitting in the chain room afterwards having a beer actually enjoying the team success is just incredible so those two moments for me have been highlights of my career I find that quite interesting as an answer because uh, I'm looking down your list of test matches here. 112 in your first test match innings against India in Mumbai, that test match cap that you, you cherish and you treasure that memory of in that first uh, part of your answer. And obviously then there was the uh, the 46 and 146 not out at uh, Gaul against Sri Lanka in November 2018. I would have put money on you saying one of those two, but that those personal kind of achievements a little bit further down the list, are they? Yeah, I'd probably say that I'll further down the list. I think probably because for me, I, I, I mean, it sounds so cliched and it, it sounds so um, corny, but it's I, I love winning and I love that environment within a team where guys are driving towards one destination or one sort of goal. So for me, that winning moment and I suppose when you have teams together sitting in the pub, uh, in, in the pub afterwards having a beer because you won the championship or whatever it is, those moments for me are, are so much more cherishable because when you move away from cricket, yes, somebody may ring up and go, oh, you got 100 and baby, that's fantastic. But those memories and those um, uh, experiences that you have with your teammates, those are the things that can't ever sort of be replaced, if, 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 if that makes sense. You, no, you, totally. you, can't write up, yeah. you, know, you, you can't write up about somebody hanging off, off the chandeliers in a pub because you, you've won a game or whatever it is. Like Those moments for me are so good. So, yeah, th- those two are, for me, the, the most enjoyable. Which chandelier were you hanging from? No, it wasn't me and no comments on the rest of it that's, <laughs> that's all I can give away when people have been discussing I listen to the radio watch the telly read articles and all the rest of it everybody when they're debating whether or not you should be playing for England or not one of the things that always comes up is he's a team man he's, he's a very good at, he plays a very big part in a dressing room he's positive he's, he wants the best for everybody else and from your answer just there that, that is a big part of your game isn't it yeah 100% look and I think that I mean it does sounds so corny when you sit back and you look at it it's so cliched and it paints a lovely picture and all the rest of it but I think having grown up in, in a family that is so competitive and so um, driven um, I think it made me realise the teamwork aspect of, of being a part of that family so yes we we pushed each other and we fought and all the rest of it but we actually wanted the best for each other and we were so happy when, when my brother achieved something when my dad achieved something or when I achieved something so for me walking into a team environment that's what I want I want somebody else to do well as well and if I mess up today you know you bail me out and I'll bail you out tomorrow and that for me is about having one vision and, and one I suppose track that the whole team will, will drive down and that's actually what cricket is about because you know you, you'll forget about the 142 or 46 whatever it is that you scored or, and you'll forget about those five wickets that you got whatever it is but you, you, you won't forget that championship win and you won't forget taking an absolute blinding catch um, in a tough time um, because it's those moments for the team that actually turn things around or Stokesy's one-hand run out of Palakili. That's those moments for me that change games and create a team spark that are, are so good. I've never played counter cricket. I've never played for England. Um, I've, I've been overlooked, Keaton. But I mean, I've played club cricket and and I've played golf and I've played other things. And there's certain, you know, from my own perspective, I can remember a six I hit. I hooked a six off a fast bowler. I can remember a five <laughs> iron I put to about two feet on a golf course I've never played before. There's certain things I can remember crystal clearly. Is that like is is that the same for you as a player? There's yeah, maybe the innings kind of merges into one at a time, but you can remember one shot you played here and there that just kind of stay in your memory really clearly. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm probably a bit of a badger. I've got quite a good memory of different games and especially ones I've been been a part of. But it's for me, the ones that really stick out are, are the moments. And so, like I say, Stokes' one hand catch. Uh, things like 
I mean, he bowled a spell at Scarborough 2013. It was it was just unreal. I mean, he ran down the hill and it was quick. It was hostile. And we beat Yorkshire in that game, actually. So, um, and then went on to win the championship um, ahead of Yorkshire. So, um, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, just that, keep rubbing <laughs> it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep going. Um, but no, look, it's, it's those games um, and, and those moments. I mean, for example, walking out there at Scarborough and um, walking out the back and one of the guys in the front row there just went, see you in five minutes. Uh, it was like it's those moments for me that, that that you really remember and the competitiveness of walking out and facing side bottom. And uh, it's, 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 it's a unique game. It's a game um, played under high competition and, and, and high um, intensity. But at the end of the day, when you walk off with a hundred or somebody's walked off with five wickets and you've won the game, that, that's actually what makes it so worth it. Can you remember the shot you played and how you felt when you got to a century in Mumbai though? You must remember that. Oh, completely. Yeah. And I can remember my thought process on the couple of balls before as well, because I think I defended the ball before, and I remember looking at the screen and thought, you know what, if you push forward and nick one and get caught on, I think it was on 97, um, on 97, you'll be absolutely livid. And so, you know, bugger this, I'm going now. And I'd practice the reverse sweep, I mean, tons and tons and tons, and my sort of, I suppose, success rate of hitting it was quite high. Actually, just before that, really, the, the sort of nets before the test match, obviously on the square at the at the Wankhede Stadium. Um, and I must have played 15 reverse sweeps and nailed 14 of them. And I went to play one, got a little top edge, hit me in the face. And that was the one that test match special had recorded and tweeted out. Like, obviously, you get all the normal um, sort of things back. How can you be reverse sweeping test match cricket? You shouldn't be playing and rah, 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 and all the rest of it. And it's that, those moments that you doubt, should I play it, should I not? Is this actually the correct thing to do? I think that's where the the intensive test cricket is really different. And anyway, that's the shot I ended up going to 100 with. So it, it, it was a little bit surreal, actually, when you hit it. And the crowd sort of went quiet because there was quite a lot of people in the one cage. It feels quite sort of Coliseum-like on top of you. Um, but it was, it, it, was a, it was an amazing moment and a moment that I'll treasure for, for a very long time, definitely. We've done the nice bits, Keaton. Um, we've taken you back to a day that you want to relive. What's the yeah. worst moment you've had in cricket? What's the day that you would not want to relive? There's <laughs> probably a few, to be honest. Um, every time I've fished out that off stamp and all the rest of it. I mean, Bumra hitting me on the inside of a knee, second over a test match. That was That's right up there with as embarrassed as I've been. That actually missed all the padding. It hurt like hell. But no, look, I, I think I wouldn't want to change anything. Yes, there's things I would like to have done differently and maybe approach slightly differently certain periods of, of my cricketing career. But I think they've added to me being the person I am today. And if you know those dividends don't pay now, um, hopefully they pay later with, I suppose, appearances that I do within corporate events or if I go down that route or whatever it is. Because I think the journey I've taken through the hardships I've had and sleepless nights and crying myself to sleep and all the rest of it, it's it all adds to me as a per, uh, as a person, um, my experiences, and actually being being slightly different and, and and slightly unique. So, look, I mean, obviously there's things you want to do differently, but that's that's not the way. And I can't turn back the clock. All I can do is actually try and move forward and first stop fishing up that old stump. Really, <laughs> I'm just looking down your list at your tests here. Um, when you've been left out, and I think is it a couple of times you've been dropped by England, um, and then you've you've come back, obviously, the, the one time. And you played regularly through that 2018 into into the 19 yeah. winter. How did you find out? Did you agree with the decision? Were you disappointed, frustrated, angry? What what kind of how how does that process go? 
Um, look, I think generally it's it's a phone call. You get told you, you're being left out of the squad. Um, the reason gets explained to you. But I think the bottom line for me is th- my currency as a batter is runs. Um, and if your position, regardless of how tough you feel like it is or circumstances or whatever it is, if you aren't getting enough runs, your position is going to be spoken about and your position is going to be doubted. Um, that's bottom line. So it's about scoring more runs and making sure that people are off your back um, full stop. So from that point of view, I've never disagreed with, with any selections. Um, I've always turned it probably too much inwardly on myself and tried to do what I can do to control it and actually move myself and my career forward. But uh, look, it's, it's, it's tough when you, then you read the newspaper the next day and it's like Jennings dropped and all the rest of it and you, you get that sort of negative slap, which, which is hard to deal with. And especially for a guy like myself, I am proud. I'm proud of my, in my product. I'm proud of myself, proud of my performances. And I do. I try like hell every time I go out to, to play and so does everyone else. It's not like you go out there wanting to perform poorly. You go out wanting to, to do well and do well for England. And your bad performances as a player sting you more than, than it would sting your average Joe. So it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Double question here. That, that last test match you played in the West Indies, um, you got 8-23 and, and and was left out after that. Did did you feel that that was probably going to be, you know, time up in, in terms of, uh, you know, the end of your 17th test match being you know, potentially your last one? And how hungry are you to get an 18th cap? Look, I mean, it's, it's twofold. So, so really, I, I haven't ever thought that that's my last test match. If it is, and you get written off at 27 years of age, then I suppose so be it. That's just the way it goes. But from my point of view, I'd love to add to my test caps. I'd love to add as many as I can. And if I don't, then, you know, I haven't scored enough runs at, at county level to to, to warrant um, another crack. You know, I, I really enjoyed that that, um, that West Indies tour. It was, it was hard. Facilities are, are, are hard to try and train and try and get better. Obviously, I was going through my own sort of um, little tweaks and changes and all the rest of it at the time. But that's the way it is. And, you know, for me, at the time, getting bowled off the inside of my thigh pad was, I suppose, summed up how I felt at the time. I didn't feel like I'd had a whole bunch of luck um, and things hadn't really fallen my way. But it's not a woe is me case. You know, I came back with a smile on my face and I, I worked to try and get better. And I didn't have a fantastic season last year, but that's that's the way it is. And, you know, I tried things last year. I tried a trigger move that I'd never tried before. And, you know, to keep trying to add things and, and try and move forward as a player. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. Who was your cricket hero when you were young? And you can't have your dad. Um, no, look, it wouldn't be my dad. Um, his fingers are far too broken to be my, my cricketing hero. I'd say the two guys I watched quite a lot of were Justin Langer and Matty Hayden. Obviously, left-hand opening batters. Um, I loved watching them play. And then probably slightly older would have been a guy like Mike Hussey. Again, left-hand, uh, top of the order. I just liked the fluency and the way that he, that he went about his cricket. And he looked like he really loved playing. And that's how I wanted to be. If you could trade lives with any current player, you can pick a previous player if, if, you, if you wish. 
have their life for a day, live in their skin for a day, have their talent, do what they do, which cricketer would you pick? Oh, wow. I'd probably say Graham Onions just to see if he really, if his body's actually sore as he moans on to be at times. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, look, um, I mean, a guy like Glenn Maxwell to be in his head when he's playing would be, uh, I'd be absolutely fascinated um, just to see the way he reads the game, the way he's thinking, if he is thinking, would be fascinating to, to see. I'd, I'd probably say, oh, geez, to be honest, I don't, I don't actually know. I'd, I'd probably say a bowler. I'd probably say someone like, Jimmy Anderson, arriving at a ground, seeing a green surface and, and just having such a, um, a strong sense of what you're looking to do. Yes, there's going to be nerves and an expectation level and all the rest of it, but I think to, to see a guy who's that skillful, that good at his craft, don't get me wrong, he trains incredibly hard and his attention to detail and his skill is unbelievable. Um, so it's not like it's off the back of just a pure talent thing, but I'd love to just be in his body for for days to see how he feels in terms of being under control of his skill if you were starting your career again if i could take you back say 12 years or something like that is there any advice you'd give yourself that would maybe benefit you not necessarily enjoy it more but don't listen to other opinions um as much as i had done earlier in my career be a little more stubborn but uh, look i think if, if i stopped playing cricket today i would if i never played another game i'd be very happy i've played 17 tests i've got two test hundreds i've played a lot of first class cricket um, and I've loved 99.9% of it. And yes, some of it's really hard and, um, you know, to have sleepless nights and nightmares and all the rest of it. But it's, it's an incredible sport and it's given me so much as a person and as a player. So I wouldn't change a lot of it. And I, my advice would literally just be to actually enjoy the roller coaster and just be probably a little more stubborn and what you feel like is your, your right part at times. You can't say that and not expect me not to ask the question about what the nightmares were about. Oh, just facing certain bowlers at times. And I suppose also from my point of view, I was quite a, quite a tense youngster, but I, I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So when things don't work out and things don't go right, I want to correct it and I want to correct it as soon as I can. I suppose that's my is it left left brain, the, the one sort of mathematically driven. That's that sort of side coming in and really wanting to, I suppose, get it down to the last decimal place and get it correct, uh, which you know as well as anybody, cricket doesn't work like that. Rock yeah. stars want to be sportsmen and vice versa. Half the people that, that I've, I've seen, that you all like playing football ahead of a cricket much more than you seem to like playing cricket. And, you know, <laughs> every, everybody seems to have a guitar these days as well. But if, if you could have been famous in another field, what would you have chosen to do? I can completely guarantee you I'd be a very poor man if I played football. Um, <laughs> I've got a terrible touch. I'd actually probably love to be a rock star. Yeah. Um, a Nirvana style, not Nirvana style, but that sort of caliber, um, Dave Grohl caliber of, of rock star. Just, I'd love to just see what, what their life would entail and be like. It seems like a incredible, wild, just unimaginable lifestyle at times. There'd be a few chandeliers um, to hang off there, wouldn't there? You'd have to grow your hair a little be, bit though, Keaton. I mean, it, is lockdown, is it, is, have you suddenly got hair around your shoulders? It's coming on, don't you worry. It's starting <laughs> to curl, it's getting long enough, so it's coming on. If you could meet anyone, living or dead, who would you like to meet and have a chat with? Uh, Nelson Mandela. Um, it's such a corny answer coming from a guy that's born in South Africa, but I just think for what he's been through um, and the... Um, adversity he faced and the backlash he faced from so many people to be the person he was um, and the way he changed things. I'd love to just sit down in a room with him and pick his brain, really. Good answer. It's, 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 it is cliched. People have said it before, but it's a very good answer because he's an amazing man. 
Who would play you? Yeah. They're going to make Keats the movie. Steven Spielberg's got the script. Um, who would play you in a movie about your life? Can I say Lanky? The, the Lanky's... Um, the, the, um, the mascot. Yeah, the mascot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, oh, geez. I'd actually love to watch a guy called Cameron Steele play me in a movie. I think it would be absolutely hilarious. He pulls a mickey out of me all the time. Um, and to watch him play me in a movie, I think, would be hilarious. What's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? Um, as, I mean, that can be either cricket or, or, or private life, but as a cricketer, are you a, a bag of nerves before you go out to bat? Are you usually fairly composed? I wouldn't say I'm a complete bag of nerves. I'm not the, the least anxious person on the planet. Last time I was really nervous, I'd probably say that, that anxiety level before you go and bat is always fairly high. It's at quite a tense time. It's almost like the the reality of what you're going to face isn't anywhere near as bad as how you build it up in your head. So that that anxiety before you bat. But to be honest, I'd probably say building up to this last exam of um, this degree feels fairly nerve-wracking just because it's like it's all actually coming to an end and it's been a nine-year process of all sorts of pain and pain in the asses, really. What is the top item on your bucket list? Things to do before you die. What's number one? Things to do before I die. Oh, wow. I mean, hopefully you've got um, a bit of time to fit these in, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, we've got 24 hours or... <laughs> to be honest, it would probably involve food of some sort, whether it's going to different places in the world, um, going to, say, Mornington Peninsula and, and experiencing the winelands over a 10-course taste of menu or whatever it is. I'd probably say something of that effect. Um, or going to France and, again, experiencing different wines and foods or, yeah, something around food and to put my thing on saying exactly I don't know. But, yeah, that would probably be something around that sort of feel. I, I mean, you obviously like eating it, but are you a chef? Do you, are, you, are you good with um, making stuff? I love it. I, I find it a, an amazing headspace. Um, it clears my headspace and I actually just really enjoy doing it. I love cooking on my on my barbecue. And I, to be fair, in the weather we've had the last couple of weeks, I've literally done it every day, which has been fantastic. So. I do really enjoy it. Um, a guy called uh, Rishikesh Desai um, a couple of weeks ago. He's a Michelin star chef out of the Lake District. And I mean, just watching him on a couple of the programs on, on, on the telly and a couple of YouTube clips and that, it's, it's amazing to see what they produced. Um, so look, it's, it's something I've definitely taken more of an interest over. Are you a morning or a night person? Oh, morning. Uh, best time of day. I'm up fairly early in the morning, coffee, watch the news. Definitely am my happiest in the morning. I get a bit ratty when I'm hungry or tired, so that gives you any idea. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, 10's the Fonz, the coolest man on earth. How cool are you? 10's the Fonz? Jeez, uh, I'd probably go with a 5, solid 5. Um, go with the flow. I'd, I'd actually love to listen to Mark Wood's answer of that question for me. Just, uh, I'd love to see what creativity comes up with there. Well, you give me his number, I'll get him on. Um, oh, happily, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think he would actually annihilate these questions. It would be a completely different kind of experience doing him, I think, from the interviews completely. I've seen him given. If you had access to a time machine, you can go forwards or backwards, Keaton. Where and when would you drive it to? Which kind of era? Would you go forwards and maybe see the future? Or would you go back to a certain part of history? To be completely honest, I'd go forward and get out of COVID-19 because it's driving me absolutely dilly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think every, everybody but, would be trying to get on the same on the same time machine. Yeah, geez. Oh, um, if I go forward or back, I'd love to go back to the 80s. Um, I'm a massive fan of like sort of old school 80s music. I'd love to go back there just to see the vibe. And I mean, as my dad says, cricket in the 80s was so tough and they played on uncovered wickets and I mean, everybody bowled at 120 mile an hour. So I'd love to just sort of see it with, with a fresh set of eyes, really. 
If you could live anywhere in the world and you've seen much of it, where would you live? The Lake District is one of the most beautiful places I think I've ever been. So I'd probably say if you could mold a wine sort of wine farm feel into the Lake District, it would be there. Otherwise, probably Cape Town. It's Cape Town, Mornington Peninsula in, in Melbourne. That sort of feel with winelands, the greenery, it's, it's just fantastic. Lake District is beautiful, isn't it? But you probably need to turn the temperature up a little bit, wouldn't you? Uh, honestly, I'd take the, the low temperature for, for the beauty because it's, it's honestly magnificent. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? Oh, good question. <sighs> Again, I'd love to hear Mark Wood's answer to this. It would probably include my face, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, one thing about myself, I'd probably, to be honest, I don't think I would change any. I don't have any sort of massive um, self, not self-doubts, but anything about myself that I don't feel overly uh, confident with. Um, as a teenager, I had really bad acne, and that was for me just it was it was brutal at times to to have to not enjoy that because people don't poke fun at you, but to to have to experience that. But no, look, I'm I'm quite happy and quite settled with with the person I am, and yeah, I probably wouldn't change too much. I think my missus probably disagrees. She'd probably want me to be slightly less OCD and with my tidying, but that's just the way it is. Well, it's a decent answer, that. If you're happy with yourself, that can't be too bad. We've got all the way through 19 questions. And the last one is one that some people struggle with a little bit. Uh, and it, it is, if you've been picking these questions, Keaton, you've been asking yourself, you've been interviewing yourself, what would you have asked yourself to get a great and exclusive answer? To get a great and exclusive answer? Um, I probably, it's actually a very good question. That's, that's why I ask. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you stuff it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, an exclusive answer. I think you 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 got to ask about about the person in essence, and I think probably all nineteen questions that you've asked are essentially about the person. But I think for me, it would be asking about uh, what's what's made you into the person you are today, or, or what do you like to room with. Um, and I think when you ask a lot of um, people who they room with, whether they like rooming with with somebody or hate it, um, I think it'd be quite a good indication of of people. Um, I mean, I posted up a picture of rooming with, with Mark Wood and I think it just gives you a brilliant, brilliant sense of what it's like I mean he piled up my bags and a bunch of pillows in front of my shower door when I came out of the shower um, <laughs> and it, it just sums him up beautifully he's a, he's a child at heart but he cares so much about the, the people around him so I'd, I'd probably say something along those lines That's, I, I like that I like that a lot if, so if, if I was to ask somebody about you what it's like to room with you what would they say what do you think they'd say about you um, I think they'd probably say probably on a five out of ten scale of, of coolness as well um but uh, i'd probably say i probably think they would say something around being solid being um enjoyable to be around it sounds so arrogant as i talk it's it's making me cringe um <laughs> but um in i suppose if woody was answering it you'd, you'd say something along the lines of um minging um but really enjoyable to be around that's all right that's not a bad thing to put on your gravestone in in 80 years time is it uh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enjoyable to be around. That's not a bad epitaph, I don't think. Keaton, that takes us through the end of the 20 questions. It's been really good to talk to you, mate. Thank you for being on the Cricket Badger podcast today. Hopefully, hopefully, we're watching you playing cricket at some stage in the near future, But uh, and hopefully it's not too long. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. Thank you very much for having me on, James. Appreciate it, mate. It's that Badger style. 
Really good to talk to Keaton Jennings. Thank you very much to him for his time on the Cricket Badger podcast. As I said at the top of the show, really nice bloke, Keaton Jennings, and I wish him all the best for his studies, for his future career, and hopefully if we ever get back to playing cricket again, hopefully there's plenty of runs in store for Keaton Jennings. Thanks for tuning in, Badgers. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Thank you to them for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. And stay tuned to it because we've got plenty of other episodes. Got a few in the can, actually, that are raring to go. I've spoken to the Australian spinner, Brad Hogg. Always good value is Hoggy. I've spoken to the Nottinghamshire all-rounder, Samit Patel. I've also gone down a slightly different route on a future podcast. I spoke to the former world number three snooker player, Neil Folds, current commentator now with snooker. And Neil comes on and uh, we have a really good chat, actually, because he is a massive cricket fan. So recommend that one, which is just around the corner. And over the next few weeks as well, I'm going to be speaking to Mike Selvey, the former Middlesex scene bowler, test match special commentator, Guardian writer. Going to get a journalist podcast together as well, where we talk to uh, some of the uh, leading journalists in the country about their opinions on this summer and the future of cricket. I haven't forgotten you as well. If you answered the call to be on the Fans Cricket Badger podcast, I have stored your details and we will do one of those very, very soon indeed. I've also got a chat with Mark Cosgrove, the Australian who has played a lot of county cricket. He's going to come on and take on the Cricket Badger 20 questions too. So stay tuned to the Cricket Badger podcast. There's plenty to come. Like and subscribe. Leave a nice comment as well. That'll be much appreciated. But until we meet again, Cricket Badgers everywhere. Thank you for tuning in thank you for lending me your ears i'll see you next time on the cricket badger podcast sports social podcast network Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.